fly, eagles fly on the road to victory. Fight, 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 eagles fight. Score a touchdown. One, two, one, two, three. Hit them low, hit them high, and watch our eagles fly. Fly, eagles fly on the road to victory. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Welcome to episode 58 of All the Small Takes. We're coming to you very late, very late on this Thursday night. So late in the week, late in the evening, as Cooper lets out a big yawn. John doesn't really have a care in the world anymore. He's done with law school for the time being. But we're, uh, we're pushing through into the wee hours, at least by our standards, of the night to bring you guys this episode of Small Takes, because we do have so much to talk about. Before we do, check in with both John Cooper guys. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Uh, we moved the furniture around in here because we had the, the young adult group over from, from hashtag Hoosier Catholic, St. Paul's Catholic Center. Um, and we, we found out we actually have a lot more space in the, the main kitchen living area of the apartment than we anticipated. And also, uh, I've been Caitlin's been forcing me to watch this show called Gallivant, which has just been great. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> she enjoys it. She enjoys it. <laughs> I think that puts Caitlin, that little guest appearance right there, puts her on like the sole possessor of most guest appearances on Small Takes, even ahead of Barrett, Cooper's first faithful companion. Um, Cooper, how are you doing? How are the allergies doing? They're better. They're better. I started to fight back uh, a little bit with more medications. Um, we're getting there. But I'm actually super pumped because I think we just might have proved some pretty awesome science, scientific fact just now. Yawns apparently do not travel uh, via like FaceTime or Google Hangout or just virtually. This is huge. Yeah, I think I don't that's know the that's coolest. So, oh, 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 oh. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Dive down a psychology, like sociology rabbit hole, but I'm okay with it. You could just say the word yawn, and someone's instinct to yawn goes up. It does. Mm-hmm. This is I'm really, this it. is really hard right now. I'm, I'm really fighting it. I'm not gonna do it for the sake of the podcast. This is like the coolest thing we've ever done. <laughs> part of the ship, part of the crew. <laughs> and for the sake of the podcast, I'm gonna move us away from yawn talk. Good. <laughs> Uh, check us out on social media. Twitter is the best place to do that, at Small Takes. Cooper is still running the Twitter account. I assume he'll be more active as we get into the Eastern Conference Finals this coming week. John will probably be less active as we get into the Eastern Conference Finals this week. Probably true. Oh, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> no more Sixer stuff on the Twitter feed. You should. You should do a little rebuttal to John and block everything related to Sixers, Process, Cat. Uh, am I missing anything? I, I, well, he's going to be more effective at it because I apparently don't know how to use Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so check us out on Twitter. Check Cooper out on Twitter primarily. We are on Facebook as well. All the small takes, Gmail, all the small takes at gmail.com. Leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your parents, tell your siblings, tell everybody. I know John's got a loyal contingent of listeners in the McMacken clan. Cooper. No one loves me. Yeah, me neither. 
Mm. Okay. Cooper, we're, we're getting close to exam season, right? Maybe we could throw out some extra credit points. For... Exam SCN. Ooh, I like that idea. Maybe, maybe you have a bonus uh, let loose that you're going to have a bonus question that references one of the podcasts. I think That's... Cooper hates us for even mentioning this. I think <laughs> so. Not a, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> I right. won't do that. This is like the equivalent of when we joke about John, you being a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, Cooper's, yeah, probably. Cooper's equally uncomfortable <laughs> right now. So we're going to direct the ship away from that, and we're going to get right into what we have to talk about tonight, which is a ton, and the reason why we decided that we would push through to the late hours of the evening because – as of yesterday, all three of our teams were in the NBA playoffs. And as of today, only two of them are. John, the Sixers, bowed out last night, gave five to the Boston Celtics. We'll start there. We'll start Celtics Sixers. Cooper will we'll get into Cavs in a little bit. But, John, I guess first question for you, and we can talk about the game, we can talk about the series, but maybe taking a step back, how will you – reflect on this season as a Sixers fan and this season as a part of the process? Like how does what, how the season ended uh, affects the process going forward? Well, I mean, it reminded me how the season ended reminded me how much I really dislike Marcus Smart and <laughs> all the bizarre random role players that the Celtics pick up each year that are just really obnoxious. Like Terry Rozier, not a fan of Terry Rozier. And maybe it's because they're like with, when you play like the Cavs or something, it's LeBron that's beating you. Or it's if you're playing the Warriors, it's the Stafford, KD. You know, it's these guys that have superstar contracts and superstar names and stuff. And so you kind of expect them to beat you. And then when it's Marcus Smart, who is a role player all year and then exclusively plays the fourth quarter in the playoffs, it's just infuriating. Um, it's the worst. But with the, the Sixers writ large, I mean, it's part of it's encouraging because there were, I mean, there were times when I was, when you watch them play and you're like, I mean, they're great. Like, you know, Joel Embiid looks unstoppable, you know, for, for a couple, look for unstoppable for a couple of minutes last night where he was drawing fouls every time they went down the floor and then came up and got a couple big blocks and stuff. And so he's only going to, he's only going to get better the more he plays and the more, um, the more minutes he gets until he, you know, turns into a real life big man and, you know, gets injured all the time again as he gets older. But, I mean, Simmons is hopefully only going to get better because if he learns how to shoot, he's going to get a lot better. And then I don't know about Fultz. Presumably, he's going to learn how to play again. But, I mean, it looks really good. I think the future is still bright for the Sixers. I think Brett Brown said, that, you know, like, we're going to have to – we're going to go be going through Boston for the foreseeable future if we want to win anything. So we're going to have to learn how to beat them. And I think it's very true. And I think Brett Brown has a lot to work on um, going into the offseason. I don't think – He's a bad coach, but I do think he definitely got out schemed. And there was at least one game, one more game that the Sixers could have and maybe should have won um, that they did not. And partially because of how he decided to play the games. Yeah. So one of the biggest things from last night on the topic of coaching that I noticed was that. So Brad Stevens, we, we talked about in game one, how after game one, how he determined that he was not going to let. He was going to let Joel Embiid get his, but not let Ben Simmons beat them and not let the role players beat them. And he kind of tipped his hand. And ben, or, uh, Embiid had a great series, and he was terrifying last night as a fan of the opposing team. But the mistake I thought he made last night was leaving J.J. Redick and T.J. McConnell on the floor to repeatedly get back down and exposed by Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and the Celtics' more athletic uh, backcourt. 
where Reddick and McConnell weren't providing enough, especially Reddick, enough offensive lift to justify them being turnstiles on defense. Yeah, and there was a lot. There was a lot of like almost confusion between Reddick and McConnell because I don't <laughs> think they. So I honestly don't think they played a lot at the same time during the year. Confusion so, is a nice way of putting it. They like Reddick screamed at him. Yeah, I mean Red, Reddick screams at everybody. Like he <laughs> he screamed at he screamed at Embiid. He screamed at Simmons. I think it's he's got that role where he's kind of running the offense on the floor. He's like the coach on the floor, or whatever they said last night during the broadcast. But I mean, there were there were moments where they were overlapping, and I, JJ was not shooting well, and also wasn't playing defense well, and probably should have sat a bit more. And like McConnell was at least running around and. I mean, he like uh, he, he was one. He was like the only guy in the Sixers that could maybe outrun one of the Celtics defenders, like just beat him right off the dribble, and that was something that was really helpful last night. And yeah, it was it was bizarre to keep both of them on the floor for so long. Yeah. Um, I definitely would have erred towards. I know I said earlier I talked about benching McConnell in favor of Fultz, um, and like TJ was obviously the the guy that gave the Sixers a ton of lift in that series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that was one of the shifts that Brown made that actually paid off. That mm-hmm. that was that was a good one, and it gave four. It, it lifted the Sixers. Cooper, uh, we'll pull you in here. What were your thoughts on the series? Thoughts on this? How this reflects on both teams? I guess maybe specifically through the lens of the Sixers, since we're we're picking on John tonight. All right. Yeah. Two points. I'm gonna bring up the fact that I was right that an Embiid centered offense does not work for the Sixers and won't work for the Sixers. No, I don't think that's I don't think that's true. Oh, it's so true. Um and I mean, were... shot fifty percent last night and he was he shot well in game one. The other games he was atrociously inefficient. Like not even like I think shot around thirty percent. Like it was atrocious. It wasn't even like close to good. And efficient basketball is like really what matters in the playoffs. And there were lots of possessions that MB just pretty much ate the ball. Ball was fed to MB uh 20 seconds went off the shot clock as he tried to create something. And it happened way too frequently. And I think the Sixers kind of went to that because Ben Simmons couldn't – like they couldn't unlock Ben Simmons in that series. Um, and I think that was a big, a big problem for the Sixers. And point two that just stood out to me so much was how badly the Celtics fleeced the Sixers – in the trade from the draft last year. The fact that like just guy kept on thinking I was like, what would this series be like if Jason Tatum was on the Sixers? Uh and that's just what it just uh blew my mind. I don't know. This I can't believe that happened. It looks makes Danny Ainge just look like a basketball genius, which he is. John's got nothing. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, Fult, Fult still has a lot there. And I, I was going through that. I think LeBron said, like, this was the best rookie class or best draft class since his. And I went back and I read some of the, um, like, the rankings of the, they'd ranked everyone, Bleach Report ranked everyone from LeBron's up till now. And there were some that, like, I mean, radically changed two years down the road. And so, I mean, they, they, like, the book's not closed on whether or not Ben Simmons is actually going to develop into someone that can, you know, be something beyond the Boston series. And I think the same can be said for, for Tatum and for Fultz too. Like it's, I mean, Tyreek Evans was at one point in time, the best guy in his class. And that is not a thing anymore. He's nowhere near that now. So, I mean, we can see, I have a lot of, I have a lot of faith in Fultz and I think Tatum is Tatum's usage is going to go way down next year. Like he's going to be, 
is going to go from being the leading scorer to the third option at best. So yeah, but we'll I think that's that good for him because he's a good shooter. Um, he's a good defender. But I think some I'm I think the Sixers are going to be fine. But I like in the future because I really I think that's what it comes down to for these t- two teams. I think the future has to favor the Celtics. They have they seem to be more flexible, even in terms of when it comes to adding guys. Um, they already have Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, who I guess do have a tendency to be uh, have some injuries, be injury prone. But I guess you could say the same thing for the two Sixers stars. Uh, the thing that scares me with the Sixers is they went out and got Bellinelli and Ilyasova on waivers, and they were really productive guys. And so they got decisions to make this summer as to whether or not they're going to sign them long term. JJ Redick is another like they got to make a decision on that. They offered him a lot of money and they if they want to bring in a max player like lebron they're not gonna be able to sign jj reddick uh and then that's a whole nother question in and of itself like if they want to bring in a guy like lebron who is going to stunt uh ben simmons development and i don't know i think the sixers have some big questions to kind of answer uh over the summer and whether or not well and how they answer them is kind of you know determine their future I, I think the I'd push back a bit on the idea that the Sixers have less flexibility than Boston. I think Boston's team for the future is what they have now. I don't think they have like you can trade you can trade multiple players away and try and get someone else, but I mean this is what they've got. And they will, the, the, they Sixers have have, the Sixers them. have a the Sixers and have Brown. a lot more the Sixers have a lot more cap space than the Celtics do. Like they have no max players at all. They, and they have the cap space to sign two if they want to right now. So I think that's a that's a ton of flexibility. I'm pretty sure it's one, but I don't want to Google it. The yeah, NBA salary cap is a black box. Like I understand none of it, but I the Celtics do. I believe have the core is there. Like I don't think you're going to see the core change. Cooper, you and I have talked about Bookie Cousins, and in this postseason alone, I'm I'm shifting myself firmly out of the bring Boogie Cousins to Boston. Camp Al Horford is good. Ditch is Al good. and get AD or Boogie. No, no. AD yeah. is. Oh, if you can get Anthony Davis. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, uh, you're not going to get the second best player and get something out yeah. of the Pelicans fire sale that is coming. Yeah, Anthony Davis is not going to be that. And Boogie Cousins, big man coming off of Achilles injuries, you can keep that. In Just want that. I don't want anything to do with that. And Al Horford is a phenomenally efficient and important player to the Celtics at 55 uh, 50 <laughs> um, so I, I feel good about the Celtics core I do and I, I I do tend to agree with John I don't think they have as much flexibility as the Sixers but I also like well, I mean they I don't need with, it with like, flexibility comes risk right yeah like with flexibility whether they go out and get a guy like Boogie or get a guy like LeBron like there is risk in both of those decisions even though like those are top of the line guys Whereas Celtics have a core group of players, a, a excellent coach, and that's and, and two players coming back from injury who will only make them better. Provided they can all share the ball, there's only one ball in basketball. There is. <laughs> um, I'll leave. I'll leave the Sixers Celtics talk with this, John. You might have seen this. Do you know what Ben Simmons plus minus was for the series? No, I have no idea what it was. Cooper, do you? I want you guys to both hazard a guess then, if you don't know. Well, when Ben Simmons was on the court, what was? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying to five. think about what the scoring lines were. Yeah, I mean, give me. A, let me like at least look at the scores of the five. It was games. minus two, 
plus eight. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say like minus, I don't know, 45 or something. I don't know. Oh, that was going to kind of be my guess. Minus like 53. You guys are both in the neighborhoods. Minus 63. 63. Yeah, it's not good. Not good at all. I think the Celtics exposed the obvious. I mean, the weaknesses in his game are known and apparent. And I'm not. I agree with you, John, that I think he has trem- uh, incredible upside. But that is <laughs> that is a staggering, staggering stat. And they were plus 48 when he was on the bench. So yeah, <sighs> not great, <laughs> not great. Uh, let's let's shift to the Eastern well, Conference ho- Finals. Hold on, oh, hold on. yeah. You know, parting, parting words for the process. You know, you know what form? You know who was on 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 the court when he was on the bench? It was McConnell and Rennick. That's that's who was on the court when he was on the bench. Either that or Robert Covington sometimes. But McConnell and Rennick down the last two games. So, food for thought. <clears throat> is TJ McConnell better than Ben Simmons? No, the answer the answer is no to that question. <laughs> that rhetorical question. All right. No, uh, no, sorry. I I left I left the app I left the app briefly. Sorry. <clears throat> All right, John. Farewell to the process for the year. I'm sure we'll the have process some. Process is always there. I know the process will continue. It never we'll, stops. It we'll never get stops. some videos of Markel Fultz shooting jumpers in a gym come like July, and we'll spend 15 minutes talking about it because it's July. But until then, let's talk about the Cavs and the Celtics, the rematch, Eastern Conference Finals. Cooper, you and me, mm-hmm. for a second straight year. Last year. <laughs> Last year, I was overconfident, and they got thoroughly waxed by LeBron and the Cavs. Teams that both uh, the Cleveland and Boston are bringing back this year are very different. That goes without saying. Uh, the series is going to be very different. Cooper, what? So you've gone from very cold on the Cavs to very hot on the Cavs, just like the rest of America in the last two weeks. What is your like feel for this series? What's the keys? What do you think? I have no idea. I, I've <laughs> said this before. Like, the Cavs are an enigma to me. You have such a cop-out whenever it comes to the Cavs. I oh. don't know what to make of them. I mean, there's another short Boston sports fan who likes to think that this Celtics team is better than last year's Celtics team, um, which I'm not necessarily buying. And so, like, that alone makes me think that this should be a pretty, like, kind of easy series for the Cavs. But who knows? And then Ty Lue, for whatever reason, turns from, like, worst coach in the league to kind of a genius. And he, like, has this, like, box of magical plays that he kind of just, like, opens up mid-series. Like, turning Kevin Love, you know, turning the clock back on Kevin Love, like, five years to the player that he was in Minnesota against the Raptors, which he honestly hasn't happened in Kevin Love's entire stint with the Cavs. Is that Ty Lue, though, or is that just Kevin Love... I mean, I think it has to be Tyloo because it was a, it was all schematic. It was one five pick and rolls with George Hill, and getting Kevin Love the ball in the post, like he was eating Valanciunas alive, not really on the perimeter where he did some damage. Well, where in he that did series, the post, but mainly in the post when they put smaller guys on him. Oh, that, yeah, that was my favorite response was putting CJ Miles on yeah. Kevin Love in the post. So, that, um, that's your coach of the year. That's your coach of the year right there. I know. Yeah, thank you, Brad, Ste- Brad Stevens. No votes. Just saying. And then the NBA coaches hate them. The NBA coaches don't like them. He's too, his boyish good looks intimidate them. And then I have the ultimate trump card, which is LeBron James. And yep. 
I mean, Brad Stevens is the Celtics' biggest the threat, really. Even he's not he's not on the court, but he is. He's their best asset. And Brad Stevens now has to face probably the smartest opponent he has faced yet, and that's not Ty Lue, it's LeBron. Um, I have a feeling LeBron knows basketball probably just as well as Brad Stevens does. Um, and that's kind of what I'm making on. I mean, yeah. he torched the Celtics last year. And I I know it was 4-1, but it really wasn't. It really didn't feel like that. Uh, and Brad Stevens was their coach last year. I'm pretty sure I've like made the mistake on this show thinking it was a sweep. Yeah. yeah. It was a... It was a very kind gentleman sweep. It was. It was. LeBron, LeBron has owned the Celtics ever since that game six in 2012. 2012? 2011? It was for, yeah, 2012. It was the first Heat championship year. So I went through the process today. I trusted the process. I was reading various articles and talking myself into the Celtics. And I, I still feel this way that in every spot on the court except for the one that LeBron's playing, I feel good about the Celtics matchup. Like last year, the what really hurt them was Tristan Thompson. Besides LeBron was Tristan Thompson. They had no one inside. Al Horford is outsized and outmuscled by Tristan Thompson. I'd like to introduce you to Aaron Baines, 260-pound monster of a man who banged bodies with Tristan Thompson all series. I feel good about the backcourt. Like George Hill, good luck keeping up with Terry Rogier. Oh, George Hill's a good defender. I'll take that. Yeah, he's, what is he, 32, 33? Yeah, did you see those two dunks he had against the Raptors in game four? It's fast. Scary Terry will expose <laughs> him. And so will and Marcus Smart. At, I know Johnny's one of your least favorite people, but he is one of my favorite Celtics because he... Do you know which football team he was rooting for this last February? The Eagles, I'm sure. The Eagles. He's a Philly guy. Yeah. We, we forgive and we forget. Uh, no, I. It all comes back to LeBron, though. Like I feel good about. I feel at least like we can call it a push on all positions on the floor except for LeBron. They're gonna throw everybody at him. They're gonna throw Jalen Brown at him. They'll throw Semi Ojale at him. They'll throw Al Horford at him at times, which will be a disaster. Smart. Smart will try to guard him and probably do as good a job as any of them because Smart is a phenomenal defender. But it, it, LeBron is the trump card. But I think the Celtics will take this series to at least six. Cooper says five. I say six. And I think having home, having home court, although they had that last year too. <laughs> but, see, I, I, I try and talk myself into all these reasons that can be, that can put the Celtics above LeBron or can put them over the LeBron hump. And there really isn't. It's just going to come down to, I think it really does come down to how the Cavs role players play. I think the Celtics will try to take like the extreme of what they took approach of what they took in the Philly series, which is LeBron's going to inevitably get his. We will contain him, but we will not let Kevin Love and J.R. Smith and Jeff Green and all those supporting casts beat us. Yeah, but that's not as easy as containing Simmons. No, that yeah, yeah. Believe me, I'm well aware. That's why we're playing <laughs> you guys in the conference finals, not the semifinals. Well, I'm just I, lo- I think. LeBron at season 15, which is perhaps the most remarkable thing about him is playing the best basketball of his career. He's now added this like fade away where he <laughs> jumps nine feet away from where he initially left the floor and somehow makes buckets. And I don't really know how you stop him on the offensive side of the court. Like, I just don't. 
so yeah, I just I I really don't think that should be the approach that Stevens takes. I really think Stevens should take away Kevin Love, and that should be the goal. I think he's priority one, definitely. Yeah. If they take away Kevin Love, I think that offense stops flying. As soon as Kevin Love's a threat, that offense clicks. And then you got like Corver open all the time and JR's open all the time. That's the one I was trying to think. The other perimeter defender I was trying to think uh, of who the Celtics could torch and Kyle Corver. Yeah. Jalen Brown will eat Kyle Corver's lunch. Well, there will be a dunk in Jalen Brown control. Yes. Yes. No, Jalen Brown will dunk on Corver. But he will be be that man dribble, and I think Corver will be okay. All right. We'll see. Um, Going back to LeBron, it does feel like the tide has shifted even just like the last two weeks on the LeBron. Like it feels like the sentiment has shifted to like we are seeing the greatest player of all time right now. Like the the it, it feels like the scales are tipping a little bit, and, and I don't want to do the Jordan LeBron debate thing, but oh, I, I think the LeBron camp is has grown exponentially in the last two weeks just with what he's done and the recognition of how consistent he's been. What is he? 23 and 0 in Eastern conference playoff series since 2011. That's a nice way of saying he has been to the NBA finals. finals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For six straight seven, years, seven, seven straight, straight years, seven straight years. years. I can do math. Um, yeah. This is insane. It feels like we've reached like a, a little bit of an awakening as a sports, uh, culture. His PR. And I know that's like an advanced statistic that I like, typically try and shy away from but his PR is like it's insane in the playoffs I think it's like floating around a 36 and just like put that in context like James Harden was like at like a 29 during the regular season like LeBron's efficiency at the offensive end of the court is insane and now he's playing he's starting to like he's so almost like I don't know what the right word is he's smart he's cerebral about it like how he plays defense like he picks his moments on when to cut into passing lanes or when to defend. It's not every single like time on the defensive end because he's like the focal point on offense, but he's added that like dimension, uh, and he's just playing at a level he's never been at. John, you have anything to add? And this has been a lot of non-process related talk. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> LeBron is really, really good, and I think he's probably he's worth at least at least two points a game over what the Sixers had. And so I think that gives you, that gives you what, two more wins? It does. So <laughs> at that point in time, we're looking at, Did John just create looking, a new basketball stat. <laughs> we're looking at, we're looking at three to two. And I think, I think he's a lot better than that. So I, I mean, I think I, I picked him to beat the Raptors in five and he beat him in four. Um, and you know all this, like LeBron's the greatest of all time. Those things happen after you sweep the number one seed and you do it in emphatic fashion, uh, which they did. And I still think he's the greatest of all time. Before that, I'm just saying I think this is a this is a function of watching where the Cavs were at in Game Seven against the Pacers in the first round, and then watching where they were in Game Four against the Raptors. Um, and you know, I I don't know a, a different Celtics team seems to show up each round too because they got totally played by the Bucks and then came out and decided to smack the Sixers around. So if if the Cavs play marginally better defense and they play at the same level on offense as they have been, then they should win this series with no problem um, because they're better than a replacement level Philadelphia team. Um, 
I don't know, but we'll see. I, I, I could I could easily see the Cavs sweeping these Celtics out just because LeBron's that good. Um, but it'll probably go five games. All right. So I'm I'm gonna I'm going at least six. I'm not gonna put my I'm not gonna put my flag in the Celtics and seven camp because I learned from my mistakes last year. But I think the Celt- the Celtics team has is more well constructed, better constructed is the right way to say that to at least compete with LeBron and the Cavs this year than they were last year. So we can talk about the incremental like above replacement benefit of of. of them compared to the Sixers, but we can also talk about this year's Celtics team versus last. And I think you get a few more points out of this year's Celtics team than you do out of last year's. Well, I think this year's Cavs team is better too, though. Eh? Are they? I, 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 I tend to think so. I mean, Kevin Love is they playing a role that he has not played at before, and the other guys seem to be contributing way more than I don't know what. Was Shumpert? Shumpert got traded away this year, right? Uh, or yeah. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, ever heard of him? Oh, I forgot about Kyrie, yeah. <laughs> eh, whatever. That's, no, that's the I, thing. Like, I, I think at best the Cavs are where they were last year like, and, and where they were in terms of baseline. Obviously, they can play better than they did last year, and they, have, they played as good a basketball as they have in LeBron's time there against the Raptors. Mm-hmm. But I don't I, think the ceiling is any higher this year than last year. I would agree with that. I think What's the Kevin that? Love dimension is just something I I haven't seen it. I mean, I've been watching the Cavs for four years, and I didn't really get a chance to see Kevin Love outside of highlights when he was in Minnesota. And Kevin Love's post game is filth. It's just filthy. Like I don't think Al Horford can stop Kevin Love in the post. It looks so awkward sometimes, <laughs> but Duke gets buckets, and I don't think Al Horford stops him. We'll see. Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines is the X factor. Oh, you put Aaron Baines on Kevin Love. <laughs> I know. Please. I'm kidding. You know, Aaron Baines will guard Tristan Thompson whenever he's in the game, and he will not see the floor otherwise. That's how that will work. All right. That was a lot of analytics talk. That was more. I'm exhausted. <laughs> more sabermetrics than I think we've ever covered on the podcast. So let's do a segment to lighten it up a little bit. We're, we're going to do a little surprise segment. John and Cooper are not prepared for this. We talked about the Raptors, talked about a little bit of whether or not they should blow it up, dope or not. Should the Raptors blow up the core that they have, DeRozan and Lowry? I know it doesn't work. Cooper, stop smiling. So confused. <laughs> should the Raptors blow up their uh, their current core as it's constructed and build around the guys that they've brought in since DeRozan and Lowry? So like Fred Van Vliet, that at Wichita State. Um, oh, Jacopoto? Yes. OG? They have OG, right? They do have OG. And Valanchunas would fall into that camp too. So, Cooper, should the Raptors blow it up? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> not dope. I'm, like, I really don't know how to answer your question. No, the Raptors should not blow up their team because there's no way they rebuild around like the scraps of this. So let's say they trade DeMar and Kyle Lowry, who are on fat contracts. They're not going to get returned back for those players. And you're looking at a long rebuild. And I think the Raptors, yes, aren't going to ever make it to the finals in the future. Mm. But they're at least going to be a fun team to watch. No, the the Raptors, as constructed, are not getting past the Celtics and are not getting past the Sixers of the future. And if LeBron stays in that conference, they sure in heck aren't going to ever get past LeBron because for whatever reason, Lamar literally freezes when LeBron steps on the court. (laughs) 
which is I think one of the strangest things in all of sports. So, yeah, I don't see them ever winning like the trophy, but I don't think they can blow up what they have because they're a somewhat successful team. They sell out that arena pretty much every night. They have a fan base who's probably outside of maybe Philly and Boston one of the most like well like renowned fan bases. I mean, every NBA player loves going to play in Toronto and it's in Canada. So I think that says a lot with like what they've created there. That was very disrespectful of Canada. Sorry. I should be more respectful considering LeBron owns it now. Yes, he's the prime minister. Uh, John, should the, do you think the Raptors should blow it up? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to be said. So, okay, so the guys they have by blowing it up, you're saying we're we're cutting cutting ties with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, right? That's well, one of up. those at least one of those guys gets shipped out. One of those guys. So if they if they ship one of those guys out and they keep the other one, I mean there's a chance that they're maybe as good as the Wizards. Still or no, who's the team after the Wizards? The Pistons? The Pistons. Maybe they're still good as the Pistons. <laughs> um, so they're fighting so, for the eighth spot. I mean, you're fighting for the eighth, eighth spot at that point, and maybe you get a whatever you get back from that makes you maybe a little bit better. So maybe you're in the eighth spot, and so they, like, they, like they wouldn't quite be they wouldn't be in the bottom. Like it wouldn't be a total rebuild if they if they timed it right because the seller teams in the East are really really bad. Like they're garbage, and there's and the <clears throat> you know nine eight and seven are maybe a little comparable to each other. Um, so like you could fall into that sweet spot still and not like drop out of the playoffs race, but at the same time, I don't quite I I I don't know because the Pacers got really lucky in getting Oladipo back and then seeing how Oladipo's played and they did a similar thing where they cut, decided to cut ties with Paul George and get whatever they could back, and it worked out really well for them. So if you if you can do a trade like that and you can get Victor Oladipo, then sure, go ahead and do it, because <laughs> your team's going to still be relevant, and then you've got someone to build around. But I, no, I, I, I think it's a bad idea. Like, you're, you're firing the head coach, right? Have they done that yet? The coach no, of the year? hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't happened yet. Okay, well, you're going to fire him, because we all mm-hmm. know, everybody knows that. So you get a fresh start there. You hire whoever on earth you want to hire there, probably some washed-up other NBA coach who's going to just take your money for a couple of years and then, you know, get fired by another front office david and maybe at that point mm. actually david blatt not a david, bad blatt's, david blatt's phone he would pick Ooh. up on the first ring oh wouldn't that be crazy david blatt and he uh he goes up against the Cavs in the playoffs next year and maybe out schemes them and wins wouldn't that be great That'd he's be the one who, he's the, he's the one who breaks lebron's streak it's david blatt the scorned <laughs> lover <laughs> great storylines but i mean I, I I don't I don't think it's a it's a lost cause yet because they do have like OG on Wobi is supposed to be kind of good and Van Vliet's all right and like they've got guys to where you could hold on to Lowry and DeRozan and just not re-up them on the next contract let them walk in free agency and maybe still have a like maybe be able to get to the next generation of players without hey, without doing a hard rebuild. You know Kyle Lowry is like thirty three years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's old. He played at Nova in like 2005 or something. Yeah, I had no clue. So yeah, you can let him walk and he's going to retire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you're not going to resign him and no one else is. So. <laughs> John, their con- to- their oh, contracts ahead. are all like guaranteed, I think, through 2020. So Valentin, Sabaka, DeRozan, and Lowry. Oh, Abaka, well, the other one. Like, that guy does not fit in that situation at all. That's, that's two years. That gives you more than enough time for the young guys to get good. And then you just, you know, clear the books. 
John, um, I have to say I'm a little surprised that as a longtime proponent of the process that you didn't advocate to blow the thing well, to smithereens mean, and get three number one picks in a row and totally game the system and abuse the, the draft lottery. Have the Raptors ever won the NBA Finals? I don't think they've ever been to the NBA Finals. Yeah, so this is like the best team they've ever had, right? That actually, their regular season was the best regular season the Toronto Raptors have ever had. Yeah, so I mean, that's the Sixers weren't giving up the best season they had ever had. They were giving up the eight seed the year they beat they, the year they tore Derrick Rose's knee out. And after who's the guy? The we got the, the we got someone from the Lakers. He was a problem guy. He never played for us. He had an afro. Uh, Andrew Bynum. Yeah, Andrew Bynum. That was when the process started. When Andrew Bynum never came to play. That was when Hinky hit the hard reset, and like the Sixers were in not the best spot at that point. So, I think it's very different. Mm. I I just think I I agree with what Cooper said at the start that the path is firmly blocked for them. So if you're, what's the difference between being the fourth best team and the eighth best team? This is where the Sixers tickets were. revenue. There is a sure. relevancy. I don't know. I I think you kind of need to take a hard look at considering. The, the rebuild and then cause the, the chances that you get a transcendent guy like Ben Simmons through the lottery are better than you hoping for a trade piece like Oladipo to come through. But like, at, at the oh, same so time, you get so bad you're hitting the lottery. That's not, I, that's I, not going to work. Well, no, I don't even, even know if they need to go that far, but like they at least need to like, they know what their ceiling is now. I, I, I don't know how, I guess if, from a pure we like business standpoint, a sure, but they should keep it together. But from a basketball standpoint, I, I mean, know, what what if what if LeBron heads west, and then all of a sudden the Raptors have to only worry about the Sixers and the Celtics? And that's kind of what I was getting at when I do Lowry as scared of those two teams as they are of LeBron. I don't know. Maybe they play better, but there's still that game against the Nets in 2014 where they looked awful too. So I don't even know if that's true. Well, I mean, there's and there's all like the the Sixers are by no means knit together all the way, and the Celtics are you know injury prone for whatever reason. Um, and I yeah, mean, just hope for injuries. Like I mean, there's so like if if you're a consistent NBA team, no, there's a there's a there's stuff that can break your way. And the no, that, Warriors, are, I agree, John. I do the agree. Warriors are going to fall apart, and what I don't know when all their contracts are going to finally run out, but. I mean, someone is going to be on the people are going to be on the market soon where you can add, if you wanted to if you wanted to chase stuff, you have at least, you know, two more years to where you could try and add someone and get over the hump before you, you know, put everyone out to pasture. But it's it's, it's not fun losing every single night in the NBA. No, that's it's not. <laughs> you, you can speak from very personal experience, especially um, when you you go when you've won, what, 61 games. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, they wouldn't drop to lottery, but just by trading one of those guys, both those guys, they probably are a lottery team. But I don't know. I think, I think they have to take at least some. They are taking obviously a very hard look at it. Uh, let's finish up. We want to do a waste of day. We have anything else in the NBA playoffs? We did an entirely NBA episode. We want to talk. We could. I meant to bring up house cleaning at the beginning. I forgot to. There's some soccer news. Wayne Rooney is coming stateside. Yeah, Wayne Rooney is coming to DC United. Mm-hmm. But that MLS's most successful franchise. Yeah. Well, they're getting. Um, Sorry, that's super sarcastic. Their... Most people don't know that. He's going to open their new stadium. 
<laughs> if they ever build that new stadium. No, it's going to be open on right. July. Tw- the new stadium is open on July. Is opening like five years. It's opening on July twelfth, Cooper. Nah, it's not going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. Sounds like sour grapes. Yeah, yeah. A little, yeah. No news on Why the Cincinnati FC Cincinnati plans either. In a shocking turn of events, the MLS is is dragging its feet on the announcement. Mm-hmm. It should come soon. I have a feeling mm-hmm. it's coming. Well, I mean, as soon as FC Cincinnati forwards them another two hundred and fifty million dollars, they'll oh. make the decision. <laughs> I think oh, I think the process will speed up a lot at that point in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, they were in the city. I don't know. They're checking out to see if they can play at UC for the next, well, next year, next two years until their stadium is built. I don't know. The MLS is stupid. They but are. yeah, Wayne Rooney's Wayne Rooney's going to save the MLS just like David Beckham did, and you know. Freddie Adu continues to do, and Freddie Adu, and now Wayne Rooney, and soon to be Christian Pulisic, and maybe after all of them, that loss will be saved. Can Wayne Rooney play for the U.S. team now that he's defected? That's a good question. How that works? No dual citizenship, huh? Okay. Just thought I'd ask. Um, Anything else? We do wasted data. Not. I had something, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, we can just move on. (laughs) All right, wasted data. I'll start. Mix up the order here. Uh, my waste of data is this ridiculous David Price story where he has carpal tunnel syndrome, so he has been experiencing numbness in his left hand. He's missed a couple of starts as a result, both against the Yankees, which contributes to this being newsworthy. And, of course, someone in the Boston media made the connection that carpal tunnel syndrome sometimes is caused by video games and the Red Sox as everyone in the world, in the sports world especially, is doing, are obsessed with Fortnite. And they asked David Price if, they asked Alex Cora if he thought David Price's carpal tunnel was due to Fortnite, which led to David Price having to publicly say to the Boston media that he would play no more Fortnite, that he would stop playing Fortnite. Boston media, I defend it sometimes, but this is the most Boston media thing of all time. He does not have carpal carpal tunnel syndrome because he plays Fortnite. He has carpal tunnel syndrome because every fifth day he chucks a circular ball over 95 miles an hour, 60 feet, 100 times. And that puts an incredible strain on arm. And weird things happen to the human arm when that happens. David Price is put under more scrutiny than any Red Sox player uh, unfairly so in a lot of cases, and I will, uh, I will defend him. And that was talking baseball. Do you think baseball players could play Fortnite in between innings? I mean, the Red Sox were drinking beer and eating fried chicken in the clubhouse in 2011. So yeah, <laughs> Pablo Sandoval was liking uh, Instagram pictures. Yeah, between innings <laughs> in 2014. I did see that today, <laughs> I think it was Milwaukee, they put Fortnite, like one of the Milwaukee players was playing Fortnite on the Jumbotron in center field. During the game? No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he was in in center field playing the video game yeah, on the it's, Jumbotron. It's a new pace of play initiative for Major League That's Baseball. A, uh, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> uh. Great minds, John. Great minds. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Cooper, what's your wasted data? My waste today is me, which hasn't happened in a long time, I don't think. Um, Cooper's confessional? <sighs> RIP to that segment. 
No, that segment's yeah. coming back. We have to bring that segment back. Just That's wait till the summer. <laughs> or just wait until the final series when the Cavs play whoever. Or until the Celtics series Pretty gets way too bad. difficult yeah, than it should be. Um, yeah, so I'm going to admit that I was wrong about Kevin Love. Kevin Love doesn't suck. Uh, he had a really bad series against Indiana. Um, and I feel kind of bad about it because I pretty much called him out and told him that, you know, and said that I did not want him on the cast. Uh, it turns out he's a pretty good player and pretty good in the post. And yeah, I feel bad about that one. Mm. So I'm like sorry. To, I thank you. I appreciate you apologizing to me as the number one Kevin Love stand on this podcast. You're just, you're just doing it because you knew the series was going to happen. And you're just reverse jinxing it. It was, a, it was a long play. You're familiar with that, aren't you? You're familiar with that tactic. We're <laughs> I, yeah. I think Cooper originated it, to be perfectly honest. He, did. he absolutely did. All right, John, what's your waste of data? Yeah, so I have two waste of data, but the reverse waste of data. Um, first off, they're both uh, goat-related, actually. Um, so first off, a, a uh, zoo in Boston had a baby goat, and based on their Super Bowl bet, they had to name the goat Nick Foles, um, which is great. Jumping to that, uh, the Met Gala uh, um, happened, and Tom Brady came dressed as a Nick Cage villain. And someone, <laughs> someone, uh, someone from another another podcast group tweeted out that Nick Foles should show up in a Pringles can and dominate Tom Brady once again, which is great. Um, so you know, no need to, to quite say who said that. And then finally, Ichiro Suzuki was asked who Tom Brady was for some unknown reason and replied uh, with profanity, but also, who, uh, who the heck is Tom Brady? So good on you, Ichiro Suzuki. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love how you downgraded him to Nicolas Cage villain. Like, you didn't even give him, like... Oh, that wasn't, know, that wasn't James, my idea. Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah. Can we revert back to who originated the Nick Cage villain comparisons? That, was, that would be me calling out all the Sixers European players for all oh. looking like bad Nick Cage villains. That was No, so, that was someone cool. else on Twitter said that he looked like the bad guy in every Nick Cage movie from the 90s or whatever. Yeah. Who, Brady? Yeah. yeah he had, it's a it pretty was, bad look. It's a terrible <laughs> look. Oh, is, so it, is this your first time seeing it? No, I've seen it before. Okay. That was the first time I've, you know. I saw someone compare him to a magician, and that was pretty, yeah. that, was pretty that cut deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks he looked terrible, and I, I just love the Pringles can comment. <laughs> my favorite part Pringles is he totally did up his nails. Yeah, that's my favorite oh, part really? of this whole outfit. Yeah, he totally painted his nails. This is part of the TB12 method, nail painting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's gonna be a long football season. <laughs> all right, that's the show for the week. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode 58 of All the Small Takes, number one podcast for Tom Brady slander. We'll be so back for. next week with lots of NBA talk, lots more NBA talk on time of year, especially as we've got Cavs, Celtics, and even talk about the Western Conference. <laughs> which is the de facto NBA Finals. Yeah, exactly, which is the, by far the two best teams. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Maybe we'll talk about teams that are located west of the state of Ohio. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll see. Tune in to find out. (laughs) Until then. Go Cats.